This is the Neonatology Mythbuster series. In collaboration with the AAP TCAN team. You can follow the trainees in early career neonatologist group with their Twitter handle at NeoTCAN. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Incubator Podcast. We are back with another episode of Mythbusters for Neonatology um, uh, Fellows, Medical Students, and Residents. We are joined with our amazing panel, Dr. Ashley Luck, Dr. Anisha Batia, and Dr. Sasha Amiri. How are you guys? Doing great. Good. Good to hear from you guys again. Daphne, how's it going? I'm still chuckling because you dropped the myth uh, on us right before we started recording. I wanted and... to surprise everybody. So the, <laughs> the myth we're looking at today is the myth of uh, prospective fellows, I guess, going into fellowship in neonatology because they say, ooh, this is a field that makes a lot of money. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be so rich by being a neonatologist. Um, what do we say about that? Oh, Everybody's point, by the way, for the- Nobody this is wants a, to take the, it. Yeah, this is not a video <laughs> podcast, but everybody's pointing fingers. Um, <laughs> and so I'm going to get started. I'm going to get started because I'm not, uh, I don't think I'm, I'm there's, there's not too much taboo about this. And I think it's, a, it's an easy answer from the standpoint of it really depends. It mm -hmm. really depends. Uh, and it is not, um, you are not becoming uh, a spine surgeon that, that, those guys who are in the stratosphere of the the highest paid physicians, um, but um, I think neonatology in and of itself is not a single career choice that will, by default, lead you to um, an impressive uh, salary or income. So um, I think that's that's my first my first point of <laughs> Very discussion. Moderated. But I do yeah, think we have I'm, some data to share on on yeah. this, right? And this is something actually for those up and coming in neonatologists that the neonatology community is working really hard about. Ah, because to, yeah. in in general, um, the uh, neonatologist um, has a really high kind of RVU, relative value unit per clinical FTE or full-time equivalent. Um, and we know that our kind of ratios for how much work we do and how much we get paid are not as good as some of the other pediatric subspecialties. Um, so that's something that especially the TCAN group, is really working very hard to modify and set some national standards for. And so my hope is for really early career neonatologists and people who are uh, just considering the field um, that, that the work-life balance is going to potentially improve significantly. But I think you made a great point, Ben, that there are, again, lots of different practice options where your pay, the pay is quite different depending on what you do in neonatology. Mm -hmm. Okay. So here's some prelim thoughts on this topic. Um, yes, it is true that there is a national movement to really try to standardize and correct for number of hours worked in a year. Um, the amount of um, 
clinical effort, as well as um, if you're in an academic model, like the amount of academic time that is spent, the amount of research time that is spent to comprise 1.0 FTE. And how hard you work for a given salary just so intensely broadly varies across our field. And as intensivists, we do deserve to kind of better align those expectations, um, both amongst our community as neonatologists, but also with hospital administration to kind of make sure all our values are getting to a middle ground in terms of alignment. Um, so when you think about things like compensation, I mean, I'm going to just start by saying like no amount of money is going to buy any level of mental health or satisfaction for you. So if you're thinking about like a, a particular subspecialty within pediatrics and money is a factor, let that not be your only factor of consideration. You're going to have to find something else that particularly drives you and motivates you in this field. Otherwise, even if you're, you know, um, achieving a compensation point that you feel satisfied with, but your work-life balance is compromised in the process of that, or maybe like your psychological safety at work is not exactly what you hope for it to be, then that like no amount of money can buy that for you. Like, so then you really just have to consider what your individual values are at the end of the day. Um, the other thing we have to consider too is again, practice models. When we talk about things like, you know, um, hospital employed positions and the differences in the business models of hospital employed versus private. Yes, it is true. If you're in a private model, um, there is potential for more um, monetary compensation. However, you'd have to consider the differences in the work that you'll be doing. Um, and if you enjoy that work or if you don't enjoy that work, and if you really absolutely don't enjoy that work, then no amount of money is going to, you know, buy you happiness, um, in that workplace setting. So you have to kind of consider, um, kind of balancing that. Um, and it is true, you know, even working in a, uh, a children's hospital, academic, or hospital employee position, um, that while that compensation might seem a little bit more, there are um, bonus metrics that do help catch those individuals up to um, attain a salary that's very much on par or exceeds what national standards might be. And also um, aligning the work-life balance component as well. Not saying, not speaking for all practice models, not speaking for all hospital employed or academic positions. Um, it's a whole process and journey that when people are doing their job searches, they have to really explore these factors and really take a cold, hard look at what that job offers to them and what they really actually need in their own lives. And I think it's very okay for fellows and early career neos to really have that um, component of self-advocacy for what they need um, and what they value and um, advocate and negotiate for what they want from a particular um, job, or at least just put your values out there so that you might attain some level of middle ground before you accept a position. Mm -hmm. I think there is some data out there. So if I put myself in the shoes of a resident or a medical student who's considering neonatology, I mean, you can find some information specific to your state, but also nationally if you search. And the AAP actually, even in 2011, 
um, had an article in pediatrics that was titled Differences in Lifetime Earning Potential for Pediatric Subspecialties. So if you just wanted to look at the PEDS specialties, you know, most of us, our heart was set on PEDS early on. So if you're considering different pediatric subspecialties, they actually have um, a graph that I remember being shown this when I was a, a resident who had already decided I was doing neonatology and I it says there are only three subspecialties, according to this paper, that have an overall positive, you know, lifetime um, financial status in terms of you don't lose money by going to fellowship. And that's, mm -hmm. you know, assuming that the three years you're not in fellowship, that you're paying off loans, investing wisely, building wealth, starting your retirement funds, you know, all those things that are None of we us all <laughs> like to say that we're going to do. It's on the to-do list. Oh yeah, I got to get my financial stuff in order. You know? <laughs> Still, and and you never achieve that. When no. did you ever check that <laughs> off? Right? Yeah. No. You never I was like, check it's, it off. It's on my to do list, actually. So I've made all the money I need to make. You know? No. Yeah, you're coming back from a long shift, and it's financial well well being versus yeah. ordering out another takeout because you're just too tired, and it's just like I'm just gonna order food out. <laughs> yeah. Am I gonna watch a Netflix show and fall asleep, or am I gonna get online and research the different types of? Uh, yeah, retirement yeah. funds. Roth I, I uh, So, Roth, yeah. right. According to this paper, cardiology, pediatric critical care, and neonatology were the only three subspecialties that were listed as a financial benefit of going to fellowship. Um, I think, like Anisha said, that depends on how you practice. Um, mm -hmm. That depends. You know, I in emergency medicine has a, a very small positive blip, but. I would say that there's so much variability across the board that you shouldn't decide where your passion lives based on a chart of positive financial, mm -hmm. you know, um, potential. And then if you search, there's actually um, a National Society of High School Scholars that actually has doctor salaries, according to a Medscape compensation report in 2020, where physicians self-reported their income. And I'll, I'll let you all guess what is at the very bottom with an average of $232,000 a year salary? Peds. Mm -hmm. There are certain, and, and number one is orthopedics. Number two is plastic surgery. Number three is ENT, you know. But even they list orthopedics at $511,000 a year. I'm pretty sure that's sorely underreported. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you just have to and, think about. And very far above the national average for neonatologists. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, do I want to be a, a spine surgeon? Um, definitely not. Right. There's no myth, myth to that, whether that's true or false. But um, I think, it, like Anisha said, it depends on practice style. I would say statistically and just by the information, yes, neonatology is one of the better paid specialties within pediatrics just by nature of being able to build critical care levels and the number of RVUs and the length of stay and all of those things that get factored into that, which I had no knowledge of how any of that worked mm -hmm. when I was in training. Mm -hmm. um, but do I feel wealthy? I would say yes. But my answer is because I don't have to worry about whether mm -hmm. I'll have money for my housing, for my children to have healthy food, to have whatever supplies that they need to thrive. I can take a nice vacation, you know, a couple times a year. I'm not talking about going to Bora Bora every month. <laughs> That's also on the bucket list. If I have my retirement funds in order, I'd probably be able to do Bora Bora every uh. month. But, um, you know, I feel wealthy in that aspect. I don't worry about 
financial strain. Um, I do have student loans. That's definitely a thing that you have to talk about if you extend mm-hmm. your fellowship and what is the negative impact of that. Um, but I guess it's just relative. So I had yeah. to answer, you know, it's complicated. Yeah, I think it's a good reminder that, that I mean, the average salary nationwide here in the U.S. as of 2023 was about $59,000, right? And so, um, you know, com- compared to the bulk of Americans, I mean, neonatologists are doing just yeah, fine. Yeah, and our right? patients that we yeah. see every day, Correct. right? Absolutely. Um, and so I think we really have to consider that perspective. If you only compare yourself to the to the other physicians in the, in the room, then then you you may feel slighted at times um, because I think we work just as hard um, and in some areas harder. Um, and we have to remember that our our population is not all physicians, right? Mm-hmm. So. It's an interesting myth because it reminds me a little bit of some of the things we experience when we're in college, right? Where you have a few pre-meds who are like, oh, I want to become a doctor because I want to be rich. And mm. it's like, and then you have the people who are studying finance who are like, this is a stupid idea. Like, this is not how you... <laughs> That's right. If you really, if you really want to be rich, you didn't, you didn't go yeah. into medicine. If you want medicine to be really, Medicine really is rich. not the, the best ROI when it comes to years, years of investment and, and return on investment. And I think from that standpoint, I think it's a, it's a silly uh, way of thinking about it. But it reminds me also of something. So Daphne and I work for a staffing company and our CEO, Jim Recton, is a very... I would say a very enlightened businessman because he was talking about compensation as as a package that people have to see and that should not just include pay. And he always right. says we we have to see the the clinical environment that we provide uh, our physicians to work in, the the kind of flexibility we have. We have to look at the benefits that we have, and then you put all these things into mm-hmm. a package and you say, do, do I? How do I feel about the entirety of this? And looking at simply the gross annual income feels feels very reductive and so i think that um yeah everything that's been said about numbers is is true but like you guys also said you look at what is the emotional toll of working these hours like mm-hmm. these are these are difficult hours to work in these are sometimes very technically difficult because when when you're putting in a chest tube you you are doing something that that is very very stressful and Look, looking into that, you, you put everything together, and then and then you can un, you can sort of decide whether that's the <laughs> right kind of lifestyle that that you want. And so, uh, and yeah, the resource no one can put a dollar on is time. Yep. Yeah, I have absolutely. definitely yes. learned that. If you ask me, would I rather make you know two hundred thousand dollars more a year versus have twenty percent more of my time? I'm going to take time every, you know, that's the resource. And I I mean, I've literally done that. I, you know, I decided very early on, I work 0.7 compared to the rest of the group. And that was uh, worth the trade-off for Mm -hmm. myself and for my family. It gives me the opportunity to do the incubator, which I don't know how Ben fits into his schedule. Um, But yeah, thinking about also, right, what what is the balance with what else is going on in your life outside of work? Mm-hmm. I think these are all really great points. Um, and I'm with you, Daphna. I work um, 0.8, which works mm-hmm. for um, my family set up right now and just kind of where I'm at generally with life um, and having young kids, a young child right now. 
Um, and, and, you know, it can vary for different people and it doesn't always have to be this way for, um, both women and, or, you know, men in our field too. Um, and I think that really is where it really underscores the importance of really trying hard to standardize hours and the amount of effort that is invested to, um, meet those clinical hours per year that comprise, um, part one part of the compensation package of a of a contract um the other thing i would say too is when we consider our salaries compared to like the national average of um americans like all comers not just physicians only um we also have to really keep in mind that debt to income ratio that um we've kind of you know alluded to um that ashley's kind of mentioned too um, when we think about, you know, the amount of debt and the potential amount for payback, especially if um, a loan forgiveness plan is not in a given person's future, um, some of like the financial optics, it does matter and it should matter. And that's okay for, for those people. Um, so I, like, I think a lot of, you know, Americans, like as far as the debt that's incurred from, you know, medical school and beyond whatever it may be, even from undergrad as well. Um, for for physicians, it's potentially anywhere from four or more years of schooling that um, that has resulted in additional debt accumulation. And so, um, when we think about compensation and you know strategies to kind of move away from having that debt and getting to a point where you're hopefully debt free, that compensation aspect um, really uh, really is something important to consider in terms of how one might meet those financial goals. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my friend said, Oh, so, so, so you owe a very nice house after you, when you just, as you, as you're beginning to work, you're, you, you have to pay back the, <laughs> the amount of like a very fancy home. And it's, and it's something that we, uh, yeah, we tend to always, uh, take our debt for granted. We're like, Oh, we operate with like, Oh yeah. I have like a few thousand dollars a month. I pay every no month biggie. Because, yeah. No biggie. And it's yeah. like, just, it's, just it's, weighing it's, over. It's a mortgage. Just a it's couple like it's, SUVs and a boat, right. you know. That's, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, I think this was. Uh, I think this was a very interesting conversation. I wish we could talk about this uh, longer, um, but I think. I think that uh, for now, um, I want to say that this myth is busted just because it's the wrong perception. I think this is never should be the uh, the the prism through which uh, we approach our specialty. And so, for that alone, I'm going to say, get out of here. I agree. <laughs> what is the definition of rich anyways? Does it have a definition? Um, there is a very, um, 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 there's a very nice, uh, in, in Judaism, we have this, uh, this mm. book, the, the maxims of the father. And it says a person mm -hmm. who is rich is a person who's satisfied with his lot. And I mm. like that definition. So mm -hmm. if you can find the satisfaction with what you have. Well, then I then don't know when you say that, I'm not sure the myth is busted. If you ask a financial planner, they would say you have enough money to cover your lifestyle and fund your goals. So it depends on what your goals are. And That's your lifestyle. Right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Bora Bora every month. That's what it's doing. Uh, thank you guys very much. We'll see you. We'll see you all on the next uh, on the next episode of Mythbusters. Thanks, Thanks guys. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Incubator and Neonatology Review Podcast. If you like our show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We would love to hear from you, so please feel free to reach out to Daphna and I via email by sending your messages to nikupodcast at gmail.com. You can also message the show on Twitter at nikupodcast. Thanks again for listening and see you next time.
This podcast is intended to be purely for entertainment and informational purposes and should not be construed as medical advice. If you have any medical concerns, please see your primary care practitioner. Thank you.